Welcome to Amplify, the personal brand entrepreneur show. Today on the show, Bob is speaking with Tara Newman. Are you able to have the lifestyle that you want to have? Are you able to hit those goals of financial independence? And by the way, you're not getting there by renting a hut in Maldives with a glass bottom. You're getting there because you're saving more than you make, that you're living within your means and you're saving and then you're investing what you've saved. In order to build wealth, you need to pull three levers. You need to make money, you need to spend money intentionally, and then you need to invest what you've saved. Hi there, and welcome back to Amplify, the personal brand entrepreneur show. My name is Bob Gentle, and every week I'm joined by incredible people who share what makes their business work. If you're new to the show, then take a second to subscribe in whichever player you do use. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, remember to hit the new follow option in the top right-hand corner. That way Apple will queue me up every time I launch a new episode, which is normally every Monday. So before I jump into introducing this week's guest, just a quick reminder that after nearly 200 of these interviews, I've learned a thing or two about what makes business work online. It turns out success does leave clues, and I want to give you the map. So jump over to my website and grab a copy of the personal brand business roadmap. It's everything you need to start, scale, or just fix your personal brand business. It's yours for free as a gift from me. Now this week, we're talking about money with my personal money muse, Tara Newman. And we're talking about a special kind of money. It's called profit. And it's apparently quite rare. And here's the thing, not every business makes money. And it seems to me that there's a sliding spectrum of solvency ranging from life support through to dream business. And today we're going to talk about how you can move from life support and a little closer to dreams. So Tara Newman, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. And I loved being called a money muse. I might have to use that. <laughs> you can have it. So Tara, we're going to be talking about money today. And a lot of people think, especially in the UK and Europe, money is a dirty word, mm. but it's the lifeblood of any business. It's absolutely central. No money, you have all the problems. But mm -hmm. sometimes more money means more problems if you don't mm -hmm. have your systems done right. So this is why I wanted to speak to you because we're going to be talking all about how to make your money work in your business. So for the listener who doesn't know you, hasn't met you, why don't you just tell us a little bit about who you are, where you are, and the kind of work you do. And then we can just talk money for the next 40 minutes. Sure. I am Tara Newman. I am the CEO and founder of the Bold Leadership Revolution. I am from New York, if you cannot tell by my lovely melodious accent. I have been in and around small business since I was a teenager. I was raised by a small business owner. My husband and I first started our uh, started our first small business back in 2005, which got really banged up by the Great Recession. And by 2010, we were bankrupt. So I, I think that that's a really important part of my story, especially when it comes to money. And I always tell folks I went bankrupt, so you didn't have you don't have to. And so I share very openly about that experience. I currently work with primarily women experts, service-based businesses who are looking to use their business, lever their business to generate wealth. And I think that is a really important distinction to make because it's not necessarily about having 
a shiny seven figure business, or I think now online, they're talking about eight figure businesses, but that they have a business that allows them to generate wealth. And, you know, my background, I come out of corporate. I have very large clients that are, have revenues of a hundred million dollars a year, but my sweet spot and my favorite thing to do is the under a million dollar crowd. A lot of people forget when they talk about the turnover in a business is turnover is not profit. And some sort of mid to low six figure businesses can be making more profit than some seven figure businesses. And this is really important because a lot of people judge themselves on their revenue, but actually we need to judge ourselves on the profit because I've, I've worked with business owners my whole life like you. And what often surprised me was that the people with really well-run six-figure businesses had far better lifestyles than people who ran terribly run million turnover businesses. So what is that? Well, it's the absolute truth, Bob. That's what that is. <laughs> uh, and it's, you know, when we look at reasons why people start businesses. It's because of two reasons, personal freedom and financial freedom. And oftentimes that personal freedom gets sacrificed for this chase for financial freedom, which people don't actually understand. They equate financial freedom with a lot of revenue, or I think this is what you call turnover um, in the UK. And it starts to infringe upon people's personal freedom. And the interesting thing is, you know, I talk about creating wealth, right? I talk about financial, true financial freedom and independence. And people who are working in a nine to five job can experience financial independence and financial freedom and build quite a bit of wealth because it's not about how much money you're making. It's about how much money you're saving and investing and then how much time you give that money to grow. So, and in some cases, people who are in a nine to five job have more benefit to create financial freedom. I know in the United States, we call it a 401k. I'm not sure what your pension or retirement plan is called in the UK. Um, but in the States, we also have employer matches to people's 401ks. So what you put in, the employer will match to a certain point. So there's a lot of opportunity to create financial freedom. You can have a nine to five and have a little bit of a side hustle. So really, if you're a small business owner, it's not about the financial freedom. It's about the personal freedom. It's about the time freedom. And that's the thing that business owners are sacrificing the most for something that they could have a lot easier, even if they worked a nine to five. So one of the reasons that I was keen to speak to you is obviously the, the profit first angle. So for the listener, Mike Michalowicz, who's coming on the show in the early new year. Thank you, Tara. You're welcome. Wrote a book called Profit First. Now, for me, Profit First changed my business, the processes and the principles in that book. I remember reading that book and throwing it on the desk in disgust when I got about a third of the way through, realizing how much I was going to have to change and mm -hmm. how many mistakes I'd made. But fixing those things fixed everything. And I've gone from running, yeah, what was a business on life support to a business I'm really happy with now. And it, it provides that confidence and certainty that I'm building something worth building rather than building something for the sake of paying other people 
a lot of the time. I think what you're talking about goes beyond that. What you're talking about is life margin, not just profit margin. Mm -hmm. So how does your approach sort of build on profit first and augment it in order to maybe make it a bit more 360 degree business owner rather than just the business element? Yeah. So, you know, profit first, first of all, for anybody who doesn't know is basically a pay yourself first system for your business that if anybody had a great grandma or a grandma who used the envelope system for their for their budgeting in their home um, where you had different envelopes for groceries or uh, rent or those things that's basically the envelope this is basically the envelope system for your business and so it really answers the question what in the world do I do with the money that I'm making where does it go it first goes to profit and they talk about people say to me well why profit why is profit important and mike and the profit first team talk about profit as your reward as a business owner for putting in the effort that you put in and that profit you can take out of your business on a quarterly basis and go on a vacation buy your holiday gifts or the way i like to use it is to build more wealth to turn that into cash generating assets like index funds or stocks or real estate or anything like that that becomes truly passive income that is working for you over a long period of time. Then you have owner's pay. You pay yourself. And what you pay yourself is for the support of your lifestyle to provide for your family. And then you pay your taxes and you pay your operating expenses with what is left over. So it forces constraint. It's Parkinson's law. Yeah. Well, what I was going to say is that <laughs> for anybody who's paying attention is really flipping the whole script on how most people run their businesses. Most people, it's operating expenses. Yep. And then, oh my God, what's left? Yes. Nothing. And it's really the way that we've been conditioned you make good on your debts, you pay your bills, right? Like think about some of the stuff that maybe we've we've been taught and have grown up with and especially from non-business owners, you know, who who don't have a who don't have a, you know, who might have a different mindset. So, you know, that is that's kind of the system of how you pay yourself first and the order of, and operations of how you do it so that you're priming I pay myself first rather than I pay everybody else first. And so it's a very simple, it's a very simple system, but it's not always easy. And it's not always easy if you read the book. I've, I hear from a lot of people, like, so if you're listening and, and you're like, well, I read the book and I threw it down, I was super frustrated. That's most people. As a matter of fact, I didn't actually get through the book until after I was certified. <laughs> so so I, I, I get that some people might've picked that up and have been frustrated and put it down, but I really wanna encourage you to, to try that again. And I think that, you know, we hear a lot around knowing your numbers right? In business, like know your numbers, but people don't talk about what numbers they need to know. I want to, I want to just share this a little bit. Mike in the book talks about taking you from a cash eating monster to a money-making machine. And that is wholeheartedly important, right? That is what the goal is. But then I want to take it a step further and go, how do we take this from a money-making machine to a wealth generating machine? If your small business is your, I see it as your primary cash generating asset that then feeds these other assets. 
And so if that's the case, I want everybody to zoom out. And this is a bit of a tricky conversation, but a KPI is going to be your net worth. And when I talk about net worth, I do not connect that to your self-worth. So I just want everybody, I like to make that distinction. This is not about your worthiness as a human. We are all inherently worthy. But what I want you to consider is, is your business positively contributing to your net worth? Now, our net worth is going to fluctuate, right? So our net worth is our assets minus our liabilities, our, our cash on hand, our home value, our um, stocks, our, our index funds, any kind of real estate investments you have minus your liabilities, which are your debts, your mortgage. Um, I know in the UK, you guys don't really have credit card debt, but in, in the US, like, you know, high leverage credit card debt, student loans, that kind of a thing. And there's a lot of things that can impact your, your net worth. Like if the stock, if you have a lot of stocks and the stock market didn't do great, right, it may wobble, but that's not the point. The point is, is, is your business positively contributing to that? Or is that a priority? Are you priming that in your personal life? Because that is what's going to get you that financial freedom and that financial independence that you want. We want your money working for you. We don't want you working that hard for your money. And so the first number that I want you to know is your net worth. That's your KPI, your key performance indicator. Revenue, in my mind, without anything around it, is a vanity metric. So after, after net worth, what's the most important number for your finances? Your profit. That's how much you're keeping. And then your revenue, of course, we need revenue coming in because we don't have profit if we don't have revenue. But if you're solely looking at revenue, revenue for revenue's sake, or you don't know why the revenue goal you've picked is your goal, then that's really about vanity and ego and it's, it's unhelpful and it's unnecessary. So net worth, profit, those are KPIs. Those are your key performance indicators. Metrics, those smaller numbers that you want to be looking at to me are things like that's your revenue. Your revenue is a metric. It's not a key performance indicator. And so that's kind of how I think about knowing your numbers and how you can really look at your business differently to ensure that you're getting closer to that actual financial independence and financial freedom that you're looking for. So one aspect of this that we spoke about before we started recording was sales, because mm -hmm. In order to have a business, you need to be bringing something into it mm -hmm. and you operate your own kind of framework, which has profit first as a component of that. Can you describe mm -hmm. that for me? Sure. So the program, my program is the Bold Profit Academy. And in there is, I see myself as building bold profit businesses. And when you look at profit first, the profit first equation is sales minus profit equals expenses instead of how people usually look at it sales minus expenses equals profit profits what you have left over at the end so in order to get to profit we need revenue and in order to do that we need to be able to generate high quality leads we need to in my mind people show up all the time i have no leads that's not true so we need to find those invisible leads. You need to be able to understand where they are in terms of lead category. Are they hot? Are they warm? Are they cold? And then you need to amplify 
what's working. Then the next problem that small business owners have is inconsistent revenue, inconsistent sales. And that comes from a number of things. Uh, If you're in the online space and you're operating a launch model, you are going to have inconsistent sales coming in because you're selling during time periods and not on a consistent basis. We're training our buyers to only buy from us when we have a cart open or a cart close. And, you know, I'm not a big fan of that. That's not how I like to see businesses run. So how do you get to that consistent Sales, well, you need to have an offer that allows you to be enrolling in it consistently. It needs to be your boldest offer, in my opinion. It needs to be a premium offer. I like to see businesses find that sweet spot between having um, a premium offer so we can lower volume. Lower volume is more profitable. So can Um, I ask a question at this point? Mm -hmm. One person's premium is another person's low rent. So how do you define premium to your clients? Okay, so I I will give you my definition and I will give you a caveat. So I like to see, so I work with service-based business owners who are experts. They have been doing what they've been doing a long time. They have honed their craft. They have a true service to offer in the world. They've paid their dues. About three to $5,000 is a premium offer in that respect. I understand that, you know, we need to possibly look at what's premium for your audience. So depending on who you're selling to, that might be different. And then that comes with trade-offs. So how you position your business, you can position your business to be more profitable, um, you know, or you might have to look at different strategies for for how you're going to grow that in a way that um, is is more profitable. Because, like I said, sometimes when you get involved in volume, profitability takes a hit. Then you have to align your sales process with your values, with your personality, with your strengths. You know, this is for anybody who has said to me, um, "I'm an introvert." You're like, I'm an introvert too. Uh, or, you know, I don't have the skill set, or I'm not charismatic or whatever, like we find a way, right? We find a way. And then what everybody does not like that I say is you have to sell every day. If you want consistent sales coming in every day, you have to find the revenue generating activity, the, the activity that leads to sales and do that every day, no matter what happens. So I have another question then. Yeah. Given that you are working with competent, successful experts from the service-based industry. I'm guessing that that consistency leads to a consistently successful sales approach. So what do you see most commonly working well? What are the levers that you generally find people need to pull on a, on a daily basis? Mm-hmm. It depends for everybody. It, it really depends. Uh, I do hear that people feel a lot mm-hmm. of embarrassment and even shame or if their business is highly word of mouth or referral. I don't. I think that's a very highly profitable way to run your business. So, you know, building those relationships and being a helpful, thoughtful human being really goes a long way in terms of things that you can do every day. Uh, Making sure and being really committed every day to your clients and showing up for them and and helping them get the results that they want to get because they will 
that will result in repeat business, that will result in referrals. And again, that's highly profitable. That's sales that you're making that you don't have to pay for client acquisition costs on. I think this is really good to get into because it's very easy for people to fall into the trap of thinking, oh, Tara just wants me to go on Instagram and shout about how awesome I am and why they should go and jump over to my cart. No, actually, if you, mm. I'm happy to make you a millionaire and you never have to touch Instagram. <laughs> uh, it's, so, it's just, it, it depends, right? Like it depends. And, um, you know, I think right now anything high touch is disruptive because we're seeing so much low touch, so much automation, so much um, eight second reels, right? So, so I'd rather see you send 30 second video but do it in a way that's so much more high touch that will really start to lead to a sale because people are craving that right now. We did uh, in my program, the Bull Profit Academy, we go through an offer creation cycle and everybody wanted to create a down sell because nobody's comfortable selling at a higher price point. And I wouldn't let anybody to their dismay create a down sell offer. Um, and so the ones who created the upsell found that they were able to sell that offer the most when the summer hit and people were like vaxxed and waxed and like not really <laughs> paying attention <laughs> to life um or to business right and 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 buying things and and that really saw them through uh what what some people experienced as a slower as a slower summer but and really it's about starting conversations uh i'm a big huge proponent of email because it's cheap and because it's intimate and because you, it's a great way to start conversations. As a matter of fact, I think people are more engaged in email because nobody's watching them have the conversation than say on an Instagram post that is out in the open. So my engagement is a heck of a lot better in, in my email than it is in, in, on Instagram. Anything that doesn't require you to run ads, ads could be very costly. And so ads can make things happen quickly, but it's going to come with a trade-off. So if you just sit down and you look at what's worked and, you know, for you to make a sale, where did the last three sales that you've made come from? You're going to get a lot of information around what your highest priority tasks should be every day. There are things like, you know, this is this new trend that I'm seeing around, like, don't do sales calls, like, I am selling high ticket programs without doing sales calls. And I'm like, I don't know why you would want to do that. I mean, like, I get that sometimes a sales call could be draining, but I rather uh, fix and adjust that because having these calls properly gives you a lot of insight and information into the people who you want to support. And the more you can get to know them, the best thing you can do is become like a method actor with your best fit client and really be able to speak to them so directly that you know them better than they know themselves. So any activity that allows you to do that, roundtable conversations, you know, sales calls, even a Facebook group where you're asking questions and people are engaging, but you're using that information to get to know them better. Yeah, that, that really, that really works. I think what I really like about that is something you described and that's the phenomena of people not trying, trying to avoid sales calls. And I can imagine if you've filled your funnel with lukewarm contacts who don't really know who you are and what you're into, 
that's going to convert badly. It's going to be a, a poor use of time. But if you've far less people in your funnel that are much more well suited and more warmly sort of predisposed to who you are, that's going to be a much better investment of time. So sometimes quality is more important than quantity in that sense. Yeah. And I think also understanding some some basic math and statistics. So I, I think I read a statistic that 50 to 70% of your leads are not your ideal fit or you're not your best fit client. Right. And so like starting to manage your expectations around that and understand that, or, you know, 15% of your leads aren't ready to buy from you. Uh, only 15% of your leads are ready to buy from you right now. So if you're doing a launch and you're first bringing people on to your, to your email list, that's 85% of your list. What do you do with that after the launch and they didn't buy? Do you dump them? Most people do, right? Or that's why that's why selling every day and having these conversations every day is so important because you're going to meet people where they're at. And when they're ready, they will buy. And if you can do that consistently day after day, they will convert. Uh, so like I said, it's it might be you're not going to get the whoosh of like, everybody coming in at one time. And, and of course that's adrenalizing and people love that, but you're going to have more consistent, predictable income down the, the line. And then we answer the question, like, what do I do with this money? Right. And, and how do you pay yourself first? Uh, how do you prepare and have a rock solid tax plan? And how do you then make smart investment decisions? And it's very interesting to look at what people actually need versus what's being marketed to them. Because what do we see in the marketing? Uh, seven figures, make more money, you know, that kind of stuff. Make money overnight, quick fix, get rich quick, right? So my program is all about getting folks to about $250,000 in revenue because that's when they can start to pay themselves six figures. And so I thought people were going to come in and their first and biggest wins were going to be around paying themselves, around making more money. And their biggest wins are settling up with the tax man and like figuring out. And, and I, I don't see that, say that facetiously at all. Like this is real. This is really happening. So if you're listening to this and you're like, yeah, I've like got a scary tax bill, like you're in the majority. I've been there so many times. So have I. Which is what led me to profit first in the first place. And now I don't mind paying tax. It's okay. But like you, I feel for all these people who haven't got that plan in place, who are firefighting the tax bill every year. And actually for a lot of people, the tax bill just leads to more debt every year. And that's that's so soul crushing. Yeah. And so like, it's not the sexiest thing to be like, Hey, I'm going to help you get your tax stuff sorted. <laughs> but that's really one of the first wins that comes out of the community. And the second win that comes out of the community is having some kind of, um, like somebody said the other day in, in my program, they've got six months of their, uh, owner's pay saved so that if something happens and the business hits a dip, they can still continue to pay themselves. Like that's a big, big deal. And it shouldn't be, this is the thing, but I've read, multiple times most businesses in the us and i know it's the same in the uk are mon one month away from bankruptcy as a as a standard state of existence that they have enough money to cover maybe payroll in the month to come and that's it 
Yeah. So uh, some of the statistics are 83% of business owners are living paycheck to paycheck. And then here's another one that I find really interesting. And I don't know how much of your listenership is women versus men, but in 2018, the Amex small um, report for women small business owners, 88% of women small business owners are not earning over $100,000 in revenue. So why in the world are we seeing marketing to seven-figure businesses? That's 1% of, especially to females, that's 1% of female-owned businesses in 2018. That might have shifted up a bit, maybe a percent, but probably not, you know, to where we are now. Then when you start to look at how women were impacted by COVID, and Gallup did a poll, and I think it was 61% of women small business owners experience daily worry. And it's dramatically different than, than their male counterparts. And when they started to unpack it, it did have to do, it came down to money. It came down to being able to get funding. It came down to getting loans. It came, it came down to, you know, some of these, these money aspects. Yeah, I, I, I'm still... I'm still like six feet behind you on the how many people are marketing to people that, who are running six-figure businesses when actually that's such a tiny minority. I hadn't really thought of it that way, but it's so true. Um, it makes me very rageful. Mm, I can imagine. <laughs> because it makes people feel bad when they're not there. And actually, most people I speak to as business owners, small business owners, they're not there. Not yeah, here's the other here's the other thing that we do in, in marketing that really irritates me is so if you think of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, at the top is self-actualization. Mm. We're marketing to self-actualization. We're marketing to aspiration. Meanwhile, are you able to provide for your family? Are you able to prov to have the lifestyle that you want to have? Are you able to hit those? goals of financial independence. And by the way, you're not getting there by renting a hut in Maldives with a glass bottom. You're getting there because you're saving more than you're, you're, you make that you're, you're living within your means and you're saving, and then you're investing what you've saved in order to build wealth. You need to pull three levers. You need to make money. You need to spend money intentionally, and then you need to invest what you've saved. It sounds so simple. I think this is the important thing for people listening. There, there are probably some people whose businesses are struggling and they think, I, I can't pull these levers. I don't know which levers to pull. The levers are there for you to pull. And this is why I would encourage anyone to read Profit first, because I thought there was no way to fix my business. I thought I'd have to go and find a new one. How often do you meet somebody and you look at their business and you think, that's not going to work? Every day. <laughs> so here's the other thing. You know, I, I hear from, from folks is like, you know, I, I'm an expert. I've, I've done the things I've paid my dues. I've honed my craft. I'm so good at what I do. I'm so much better than so-and-so X, Y, and Z, the Instagram account next to me. I don't understand how they're, they're making all the money, how they're filling their programs, how they're doing the things they're not. Right. <laughs> they're not. I can tell you they're not like every, almost every single person that comes to work with me tells me how embarrassed they are that they look 
their Instagram account or their Facebook marketing, their marketing in general looks better than what they're actually bringing in. And let me tell you something, the people making the most money don't have the prettiest graphics because they don't have the time. They're selling. Yeah, there's so many places I could go from there. Most of it involves me asking you to name names, but I know that kind of <laughs> um, After, Bob, after. <laughs> <laughs> so we spoke profit first, we spoke sales, and we spoke on investment a little bit. But let's dig into investment mm -hmm. because most people listening have probably not done very much and especially business owners there's nobody holding a gun to your head saying you have to make provision for your future and the you in the us i think it's exactly the same as in the uk whereas you're a business owner saving for retirement is optional is that yes. fair to say and it's an yeah. option a lot of people don't take oh okay yes so 100 percent. and i get i get people who say to me, like, I didn't realize I could, like, as a business owner, it's almost accepted that you don't. It's almost like, especially I remember leaving corporate and everybody was like, well, what are you going to do about a 401k? Or what are you going to do about your benefits? Or what are you going to do about some of these other things? Right. Um, first of all, retirement in the concept is very young. It's only a couple of generations old. I believe there is a Vox there's a, on, is it Netflix? It's either Netflix or, or Amazon Prime. Vox put out a special, like one of their Vox explained um, document, like mini documentaries, and they talk about retirement. So you can try and go find that. Um, it was very insightful in the sense that it's only a couple of generations old. People don't really understand it or, or know what to do with it. And even I work with a lot of business owners who are second generation and in the process of taking over that business from a parent. and the problem, biggest problem is, is that parent thought the business was going to be the retirement, thought the business was going to be a saleable asset. And that's not always true. And it's so often it's often not true. Correct. Correct. So my biggest advice here, and I'm not a financial planner, uh, but I do want to give a very good resource for folks that I really want everybody to go and read. And if you go pick up this book and you read it, I want you to take a picture of it and I want you to send it to me on Instagram at the Tara Newman because I want to see how many of you are doing the work, okay? And the book is called The Simple Path to Wealth. And it's by a gentleman named J.L. Collins. He is an American, so he is writing it from an American perspective, uh, but it does apply to folks outside of uh, the U.S. And so it is the simplest way for you to start building wealth and gaining financial independence is this, in, is this book. He wrote it for his teenage daughter. It's that simple. Well, what I was going to ask you is there are probably a lot of people listening who are not in their teens. They're not in their 20s. They're possibly not even in their 30s anymore. What would you say to anybody who's thinking, I'm starting to get anxious, I've maybe left it too late? I'm 45. And I, I really understand that because 10 years ago, 11 years ago, we declared bankruptcy. And in 10 years, I've gone from bankrupt to a millionaire. It It is possible. I'm not saying it is easy. I'm saying you have to understand your money and you have to be willing to think about money 
differently. And one of the best things that you can do to start thinking about your money differently is to start considering what it is that you need to thrive. What is it that you need to thrive? And I have a podcast episode on this that I can give you a link for, Bob, that talks about this and walks you through the questions that I want you to be asking yourself. Because when you see what you actually need to thrive, you're going to realize, one, it doesn't cost a lot of money. You're all going to put on there that you want more time with your the most important people in your life. You want to hug your kids. You want to, if you're Bob, you want to get out there in the Scottish wilderness and, and be hiking um, and take in the fall foliage. And there's a lot on there that, that will light you up and fill you up that doesn't cost money. And the things that do cost money, you're just going to cut everything else and focus on the things that cost money that are so, so important to you. And um, my dad is such a great example of this. My dad loves to boat and he loves to ski two very highbrow activities. He is wearing the same champion sweatshirts that he wore when I was a teenager. <laughs> he doesn't care about his clothes. He doesn't, he doesn't care about really anything else. And all of his time, attention, and money go into those two things. And that's what it means to live by your Thrive List. I love that. That's probably a really good place to bring things to an end because so many people that get frustrated with their businesses, they lose hope. They just think, what am I doing all this for? And it's so refreshing to hear that there is a way through it. It really just boils down to pulling the right levers. And sometimes that's just about having the right information, taking the right path and traveling with the right people. And that's why I'm really grateful you came on the show just to talk about that because you are one of the right people. Tara, if people want to connect with you, where would you like them to do that? All right. Well, I have a gift oh, for your audience. I love, I love a gift. So my team and I have created something called what we're calling a revenue goal calculator. And what this does is it allows you to set an appropriate, and I know everybody's like gets boring and again, appropriate word appropriate isn't sexy, but an appropriate revenue goal <laughs> for your lifestyle, right? If you want a business that complements your lifestyle, this is the way you're going to do it. And it, has you put in your 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 monthly expenses, and I have a 15-minute training video that walks you through it, and then it's going to tell you how much money you need in salary to take home every year to make those, you know, those uh, expenses, those investments that you want to make on your own. And you can go through and you can put in like just basic needs. And then you could go like, oh, if I wanted to like have a more luxury lifestyle, what would that look like? And you can really start to play with what your income, what your personal income, your take home is going to need to look at. But then it reverse engineers it and it puts it through profit first. So it's going to tell you based on how much money you want to pay yourself, how much revenue you're going to need how much of that goes to profit, how much of that goes to taxes, and what you have left over to pay your expenses in your business. You see, I love that because I can remember a time when I was sitting in my business thinking, I'm wasting my time. I could double what I'm making in the business and I would still have nothing left. Yep. And Profit First fixed that part. But what it hasn't fixed for me is, okay, now how do I personally move from where I am now to wealth personally and you address that really clearly in there so i can't wait to go and play where do i find it okay so it is at the bold forward slash revenue 
And that is where you are going to find that revenue local calculator. Now, if you have a mixed gendered audience, male, female, a lot of my stuff talks to women. If you're a guy, please hang out, stay with me. <laughs> you're going to learn and, and we can, we can still work together. I just, I just tend to talk to women because that's the majority of my audience, but it's all relevant to, to all genders. We all know about niching here. It's really important. And <laughs> yeah, speaking really clearly to one audience makes a lot of sense. Tara, I know you have something else on on the hour. So thank you so much for your time. I have had a great time. And thanks for being patient because what the listener doesn't know is I'm experimenting with recording this in video as well with a view to potentially building in a bit of live streaming later on. So we've been very awkwardly looking at each other as well, which is not, not normal for me. Normally it's just in my ears and my head's the wrong way around and it's all just a bit weird. So thank you very much for your patience. Of course. Thanks for having me, Bob. Can't wait to speak to you again soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Before I go, just a quick reminder to subscribe and join our Facebook group. You'll find a link in the show notes or visit amplifyme.fm forward slash insiders. Also connect with me wherever you hang out. You'll find me on all the social platforms at Bob Gentle. If you enjoyed the show, then I would love a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It would make my day. And if you shared the show with a friend, you would literally make my golden list. My name's Bob Gentle. Thanks to you for listening, and I'll see you next week. Thank you.